A five-year-old Israeli girl was killed by Hamas. She died along with her uncle, aunt, and four cousins. They were all in a vehicle trying to flee when the family came under fire by the terrorists. One of the girl's 15-year-old cousins called emergency services. During the phone call, you can hear the vehicle getting shelled. Take a listen. Given how close the tank was, which was right beside the car, it had to be evident that it was filled with five children. Nevertheless, the shelling commenced. After the firing briefly pauses, the dispatcher calls out hello to see if anyone is there. Nothing but silence. Then the five-year-old girl chimes in and begins to cry out to the dispatcher. Take a listen. What she said was, come take me. Will you come and take me? I'm so scared. Please come. Her body, along with the rest of her family, were found dead in their vehicle. The dispatcher claims that the paramedics were, quote, deliberately targeted, He believes this because he says the paramedics obtained prior coordination to allow the ambulance to reach the location to rescue the girl. Is that an upsetting story to hear? Are the people that killed that girl disgusting scoundrels? Should they be held accountable for that? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then hold on to your panties. That little girl was Palestinian. She was fleeing Gaza and was shelled to death by the Israeli Defense Forces. That's right. Precious Israel's vicious and reckless war resulted in the death of a five-year-old girl and her four cousins. Even worse, you paid for it. Let's do a little recap of U.S. foreign aid. The United States has given nearly $300 billion to Israel since 1946. That's a billion with a B. And it's not a partisan thing. Sure, Israel is beloved by conservatives, But it was President Obama that gave Israel the biggest security assistance package. He pledged, via Memorandum of Understanding, that the U.S. would provide $38 billion over the course of a decade, from 2018 to 2028. Most of the aid, around $3.3 billion a year, is given as a grant under the Foreign Military Financing Program. This money is then used by Israel to buy military equipment and services. Take, for example, the Tamir interceptor missiles in Israel's Iron Dome. That's made by Raytheon in Arizona. Yay for the military-industrial complex. Remember, greed is good for Wall Street, but war is great for defense contractors. In fact, the United States provides over 80% of Israel's weapons imports. In addition, the U.S. aid accounts for about 15% of Israel's entire defense budget. Are you feeling that mutual back-scratching yet? Because I sure know politicians and defense contractors are. Guess what? You not only paid for that Palestinian girl's death, but you're also tacitly responsible for the deaths of nearly 50 innocent Israeli children that were slaughtered in the October 7th attack. You see, Israel has a dirty little secret. It's a secret that's quite out in the open, but the mainstream media will deny, obfuscate, ignore, and distract you from it. Israel supported Hamas. Sounds like something someone would say that's wearing a tinfoil hat, but consider this. Prime Minister Netanyahu reportedly said at a meeting of his Likud party, quote, 
anyone who wants to thwart the establishment of a Palestinian state has to support bolstering Hamas and transferring money to Hamas. This is part of our strategy to isolate the Palestinians in Gaza from the Palestinians in the West Bank. This quote came from a reporter at Haaretz. While it's not confirmed by other sources, Netanyahu's confidants have parroted a similar message, as have outside experts. Conservative commentators in the country have said the same thing, too, with many believing they received briefings on their talking points. Besides, most people just point to Netanyahu's actions and policies as confirmation enough that he actually said that. For the last 15 years, Netanyahu has been enabling Hamas. He's helped build the organization. He's let Hamas rule Gaza with little to no intervention. He's also allowed billions of dollars from Qatar to flood into Hamas. But why would he do this? Well, he's following the old axiom, divide and conquer. As long as Hamas is in Gaza, he has an excuse to not partner with them. Hamas also terrorizes Palestinians and keeps them in constant state of fighting. If they're too busy fighting their own people, they can't ever get their act together enough to seriously take back their homeland. As The Guardian summarizes, it means, quote, no peace process, no prospect of a Palestinian state, and no demand for Israeli territorial concessions. The United States financially supports Israel, which supports Hamas. Using the transit of property, I can draw a straight line from the United States to Hamas. Israel may be the prime suspect, but we are surely an accessory to their crimes. But don't just take it from me. Listen to the libertarian anti-war god, Ron Paul. He was hot on this issue back in the day and warned about the issues that it created because of the United States and Israel getting a little too cozy with Hamas. If you look at the history, you'll find out that Hamas was encouraged and really started by Israel because they wanted Hamas to counteract Yasser Arafat. And you say, well, yeah, that was better then and served its purpose, but we didn't want Hamas to do this. So then we as Americans say, well, we have such a good system. We're going to impose this on the world. We're going to invade Iraq and teach people how to be Democrats. We want free elections. So we encourage the Palestinians to have a free election. They do, and they elect Hamas. So we first indirectly and directly through Israel help establish Hamas. Then we have election. Then Hamas becomes dominant, so we have to kill them. You know, it, it just doesn't make sense. And this was said in 2008. Brigadier General Yitzhak Segev was the Israeli military governor for Gaza in the early 80s. He helped finance Hamas as a counterweight against Palestinian Liberation Organization and the Fatah. He told a New York Times reporter, quote, The Israeli government gave me a budget and the military government gives to the mosques. Yasser Arafat, leader of the Palestinian Liberation Organization, referred to Hamas as, quote, a creature of Israel. Former Israeli religious affairs official Avner Cohen has said, quote, Hamas, to my great regret, is Israel's creation. He even had the cojones to issue a report warning about the dangers of creating Hamas, saying, quote, I suggest focusing our efforts on finding ways to break up this monster before this reality jumps in our face. David Hackam, a former Arab affairs expert for the Israeli military in the 80s, has said, quote, when I look back at the chain of events, I think we made a mistake, but at the time, nobody thought about the possible results. 
So when politicians say that they hate us for our freedom, I want you to think about that little girl that died by getting shelled. I want you to think about how you would respond if you were her parents or her neighbors. Would you be a little angered that Israel funded a terrorist group that they use now as an excuse to purge your country? Why should Palestinians, especially children, bear the cost of failed policy? Why should she pay the price of defense contractors getting rich and politicians getting fat contributions from them? Why should she pay the price for Israel dickering with foreign policy to create Hamas? And why wouldn't Palestinians and Arabs hate the U.S. when we fund Israel, a country that is bullying an entire people out of their homes? Yes, October 7th was an atrocity, but don't use it as an excuse to start a genocide. Two wrongs do not make a right. Carpet bombing kids is not good foreign policy. It's not even a good war strategy, but it is a great way to stir up hostilities in the Middle East, start a regional conflict, and build the military-industrial complex. If I lived in Palestine right now, I wouldn't like Israel, but I wouldn't find the U.S. to be much better either. For all the evangelical Christian conservatives out there who recite the refrain that we must support Israel because God says so, how about you read the rest of the Bible? Why don't you try Psalms 127, verse 3, quote, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. If children are a reward, then I think we probably shouldn't blow them up. So why is it then that this continues? Aside from defense contractors getting rich off war and paying off politicians with donations, there's another lurking influence, the pro-Israel lobby. More than $58 million was spent by the pro-Israel lobby in the last election cycle. All but 33 members of Congress received some sort of donation. In fact, members of Congress who were more supportive of Israel received on average about $125,000 in campaign donations. Congress members more supportive of Palestine received on average just $18,000. Don't forget about the loudest man in the room right now for Israel, which is Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. When he's not shilling for Israel in the press, he's busy figuring out what to do with the more than half million dollars in donations he's received from the pro-Israel lobby. Now, one of the biggest players in the pro-Israel lobbying group is the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee, commonly referred to as APAC. They wield considerable influence as lobbyists. One way they have done this is by using their charity arm of the organization to send Congress members on trips to Israel. However, after more than 60 years of lobbying, they finally formed a PAC in 2021, a political action committee. This allowed them to make direct contributions to members of Congress. They may be new to donating, but they did not disappoint. In the last election cycle, they donated more than $17 million to 365 candidates. Mind you, there's only 435 seats in Congress. After the October 7th attacks, their PAC donated more than $3.7 million to political campaigns. That's the most they've ever spent in one month. Money is influence, and it sure seems like it's working. Take, for example, Speaker Mike Johnson. 
He received $25,000 from APAC's Political Action Committee in the last election cycle. But after he helped push through a $14 billion aid package to Israel, Speaker Johnson received a $95,000 donation. That's quadruple what he got before, if you were wondering. This type of influence is overwhelming, and it's no wonder that Congress and President Biden are quick to give away your tax dollars to Israel. Yet, no one really wants to grapple with the elephant in the room. Is this influence a bad thing? Is it generating and conjuring up horrible foreign policy? Take a listen to a recent interview from libertarian and stand-up comic Dave Smith, where he interviewed pro-Israel RFK Jr. His response encapsulates this idea. Okay. Do you have concerns about um, the, the level of Israeli influence in our, our politics here in the United States of America? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. If RFK Jr. won't say it, then Representative Rashida Tlaib will. She's the progressive Democrat who was recently censured for saying, from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free. Listen to the comments she made recently about how cowardly her colleagues are in the House of Representatives and how they won't say anything because they're scared. Of what? She doesn't say. But I think we can all assume it's the pro-Israel lobby and all the money they'd be missing out on. The Israeli government has already killed 27,000 people. 11,500 of them were children. I'm tired of my colleagues coming to me whispering, I don't really like Netanyahu. Well, then why are we sending him billions of dollars with no conditions? He literally is telling us over and over again what his intention is. I'm tired of my colleagues coming and whispering to me, Rashida, I support two-state solution. Great then send money that conditions for a two-state solution because Netanyahu has over and over again told us he never wants to see a Palestinian state. The U.S. has blood on our hands for this war. As politicians swim in money, Palestinian children are dying. Although Netanyahu created Hamas, he will place blame on the innocent Palestinian children. Meanwhile, the U.S. walks hand-in-hand with Israel. U.S. politicians and Israel's military gets to fill their coffers while we watch a genocide unfold. Before you say that Palestinians are getting what they deserve because they elected Hamas, think again. The median age of those in Gaza is 18. Yes, 18 years old because they die so incredibly young over there, constantly living in a war zone in an open-air prison. This means that half of those living in Gaza right now weren't even born when the election took place that put Hamas in control. They didn't have a say, and they certainly didn't have an alternative. I only hope that when karma comes back around, when Palestinians or some other Muslim group seeks retribution, they will show mercy for American children when we didn't show any for theirs. Thanks for listening to Overnet Opinions. Be sure to tune in next Sunday night for an all-new episode. In the meantime, be sure to follow the Ladies Love Politics channel on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Brideon Social, Rumble, and Brideon.